Hello and welcome to Potshot. I'm Alex Towles and he's Alex Collings and we're going to have a chat through the Leicester game, which was one of the most 1-0 games of all time. We had 65% <laughs> of the ball in the game, but only 10 shots, 2 shots on target from us. Uh, and this is because Leicester defended pretty well. They sat in a mid-block, which is a concept that we've talked about before, where they've got a nice, tight, compact shape, but it's not right back in their box defending. That's a low block. They kind of got their centre-backs on the edge of the 18-yard box and everyone else ahead of there. And we struggled to get through it. And when we did get through it, we didn't get loads of shots off, loads of big chances away. Uh, we obviously did get that Martinelli goal early in the first half, uh, early in the second half, but other than that, not loads of chances. So, Alex, why did Leicester's mid block cause us so many problems? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I don't have an answer that I'd be willing to, you know, like stand by. But obviously, they went for a four-two-three-one sort of shape, out of possession, kept things narrow. Also, tried to block off passing lanes again. Had guys like. Ikenako sitting on Zinchenko actually preventing that pass in. Yet I think we dealt with that pretty well in the earlier phases of play. I think we managed to sort of get the ball into guys like Zinchenko. Obviously, Gabriel and Saliba passing through into guys like Odegaard and then sort of acting as a like a reference board back into Jorginho and we managed to actually get through them quite easily then. I think to... Leicester's credit, they did double up on the wingers, something we've been seeing a lot pretty well. And also, I think better than Brentford, where we were speaking the other week, is I think they dropped back into their low block and knew when to engage, had a better sense of that. And I think that's something very um, reflective of of Rodgers as a coach, you know, going quite like high against United just a week ago. And then the pragmatist that he is, he really did kind of sort us out a little bit better. Um, I think we didn't manage to really fashion anything in the box. They they crowded the box pretty well. And neither Sako or Martinelli really had clear openings to play to play balls through. They really had to kind of make a lot out of a little bit on the edges and the half spaces um, or just keep possession, which is something that kind of did define what we were doing in the first half. I think I wonder if there's something in maybe Eddie but he wouldn't have had much space in behind. I think Trossard did quite well dropping in at times and obviously with his sort of ability in, in tight spaces, being able to keep possession. What did you what did you think of Trossard starting, actually? So obviously I was pretty surprised to see Trossard starting ahead of Eddie. That wasn't something I think we expected to see when he signed. I think we expected him to be like general winger cover, not really striker cover. Um, but I think he did a pretty good job. Um, people were talking on the old internet about whether he is a better like facsimile of Gabby Jesus in terms of what we want from fluid rotations in our attacking system. Uh, so I was having a look to see what he was doing at this game when I watched it back. I think... The, the best way I can describe it is that he's more mobile than Eddie, while also being slower than Eddie, right? So, like, I'm mobile in that Eddie will be 
on the back line a lot more, pushing them back a lot more. Trossard is mobile in that he will drift out wide, drift back. Like, there's a lot more movement a more dynamic, Not, A more yeah. dynamic mover, maybe, would be a yeah, better that's, way. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, like he's like he's got a lot more movement around than Eddie, who likes to stay in his central spaces, like we've talked about before. Um, I am not necessarily sure if that's a good thing. Um, obviously, we've spoken a lot at the start of the season. Um, Gabby was doing that all the time, Gabriel Jesus. Um, and we talked a lot about how that presence in the center against the last line was being replaced by the rotations that we were doing. We had uh, Martinelli coming in or Xhaka or Odegaard pushing up. Um, in this game, that didn't really seem to happen so much. I think it happened on occasion. I don't think it was as effective that it has been at the start of the season. Actually, I think just touching on that point, it's interesting because I did expect that as well, um, those sort of rotations, and I think they did happen earlier on but in a way it was more like position swaps over certain you know over certain periods like martinelli would go central and he would stay there for a lot um the one rotation that i do think we saw quite a bit of was early on maybe less so later on was Xhaka going ahead and pinning the line and trossard dropping in deeper which is something obviously you don't see when eddie's playing in his place and i think it worked well i think we did manage to create both through that acting as like someone to pin the line with Trossard acting in that space and then other phases where Trossard pulling you know a bit more central Martinelli holding wide we did we were able to create a bit more space for Jacques in those things so I think that was one sort of rotational dynamic um that did work quite well but I agree in general I don't think there was actually that much of like this dynamic sort of rotations that we were seeing with um with Gabby J earlier in the season I do want to say one thing, though, is that I think I agree a lot. In sort of like that middle third or, or just outside the box, Trossard's really, really dynamic as a mover, dropping in and stuff. He suits he suits our player a lot. Um, but once we got into the box, I was a little bit disappointed with how static he was at times, just kind of waiting for the ball to arrive to him, where I was really hoping, and I've spoken about this a lot, but I was really hoping to see him kind of come near side to to Martinelli a lot and help that dismarking system there. We didn't really see that Martinelli was still kind of left isolated in those spaces, which is what I was actually hoping for from Trossard. There were one or two really nice moments and that's where it worked really well. But in terms of actively trying to do that, I don't think we saw it enough. I'm wondering what you think. I don't disagree, but also I think based on how, for lack of a better word, rusty we seemed with the rotations further up the pitch, I don't trust that if Trossard had pulled out, we would have had a threat between the posts to re posts to replace him. Is that, that a bad sense. thing though? Because uh, um, no one no yeah, one necessarily they... passes. You can kind of get that sort of connection where you get Martinelli running into that sort of space. Then, yeah, maybe. Um, I don't know if you can tell. I haven't really considered this, and I'm thinking of my answer Sorry. right now. Uh, it's all right, um, but yeah, I think it could have it could it could have worked. I, I am just you you want that threat in the middle so that the centre backs have got something to worry about. Obviously, in a, in a fluid system, you don't need to have that all the time. But yeah, I guess my my other problem then is I didn't really think even when Trossard was holding the space like in position centrally. Yeah, I don't think he was really a massive threat. 
He was something that yeah. they were really worried about. He was really threatening in around the box, especially under pressure, mm. but actually situated where the center backs already on him. Um, I don't think he was a threat just in terms of like actually, you know, being able to pass the ball into him, he'd get eaten up by the center backs, but also he wasn't really making those like coming near movements or something to kind of create some little bit of, of movement in the box where I do agree deeper, like deeper down outside kind of coming into the final third. He was really useful with his movement um, in terms of helping us actually break through the, their mid block and central corridors. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Um, so the question then is, do you think we would have created more chances if Eddie and Ketio had started? It's a tough one to think. Um, I'm not particularly sure. I think it would have looked different. I think we would have threatened more in situations where we did get it out to the wingers in those wide places. Because I think it's it's good having Trossard in that sort of situation, but then you actually need him doing something different to what Eddie would be doing in the box, which I don't think he really was, and Eddie offers a lot more there. But it's all about how we would be able to actually get it through into those areas in the first place, which I do think we access those areas, particularly down the left side into Martinelli, well, quite a lot, and also manage to keep possession really well in those situations. Um, whereas with Eddie, I'm not sure, maybe we could have gone long more. I do think they have good players in the air to kind of deal with that and maybe beat Eddie out. So, so I'm not particularly sure. I was interested that he didn't start. But that morning, I also saw sort of reports from like those ITK injury or team sheet people that he'd pick and he'd picked he'd pick and my bad he'd picked up a knock in training. Um, I'm not sure how true that is because obviously I was also then surprised to see him on the bench and he looked fine when he came on. But maybe that maybe it was as simple as that. Maybe it was Arteta trying to find a solution to how these teams are sort of setting themselves up against us, trying to block us um, through the middle and then, you know, double up out wide. That was his solution there. And I think in that, in in um, through that perspective, it really did work. Obviously, Trussard much better in tight spaces. He's incredible. You saw that assist he even had, like, the footwork there was just immense. Um, really good with timing. I don't think he's creative in the sense of, like, the passes he picks and stuff, but there's a creativity that comes from him in terms of just that tight control, the spaces it manages to open up, which which did help us more than, you know, Eddie would in those situations. So it's a bit of a 50-50, I'm not sure, but I think he had a decent game. Yeah, that's fair, fair enough. I think, and, and we are, not going to lie, entering hair-brained theory territory here <laughs> but I, I feel like possibly a, a potential reason for Arteta to start him if we do look at this through the lens of his dynamicism in the mid block is as a kind of way of warming up the squad ready to have Gabby Jesus back in it and ready to go again with those rotations because I would not be surprised if those take a couple weeks to get used to doing. So maybe throwing in Trossard, having someone who's a little bit more dynamic outside the box, uh, just to get the squad used to the idea of doing these rotations again, was yeah, somewhere enough. in his brain. 
I think I think that alongside also needing to try to do something different because we spoke about last week becoming a bit predictable. I think yeah, it made sense as a as a choice. I'm not sure if it actually was a choice he made. We'll we'll see maybe against Everton, who I think Trossard is probably a good pick. So yeah, we'll have to see. One of the players that Trossard was combining with a lot in particular was Gabriel Martinelli, which is interesting in its own way, given that in the games before this one. They haven't been on the pitch at the same time. One's been coming off on while the other comes off. A lot of stuff was made on social media um, that people saying that Martinelli had a bad first half uh, and then obviously he shut those people out by scoring immediately in the second half. But there was a general consensus that he wasn't great in the first half. Alex Collings, what are your opinions on that? Yeah, so I saw quite a bit of criticism for his first half before people rolled back a little bit after what was definitely a good second half. Um, and in rewatching the game, I paid quite close attention to him. I think some of the criticisms that I saw were basically he wasn't good 1v1, often a criticism of him, especially in those wide and higher areas, um, that he struggled to create shots and chances, that he was wasteful with his decision-making. And... I don't think this was like the best Martinelli first half of all time, but I pretty much disagree with all of those crit- critiques of him. I think in 1v1s, what's important to note, to, to note is that often he's receiving them high and he's keeping possession in those situations, right? So while he wasn't necessarily taking on his, his right back, well, his opposite fullback all the time, when there wasn't something on, he was passing the ball back, keeping possession while which isn't that easy to do. Also moving well into positions after making the pass, something that I think we lack a little bit through the middle of that game. Um, and these are important things for your wide players to do in a possession and territory dominant side like we are. Also, he wasn't really even in 1v1 situations, as we were speaking about earlier. Lesser were doubling up on our wingers and also dropping back quite deep. So it's not always the smart move to try to take on the one guy and then suddenly you're running into another Leicester player. Saka struggled from the same thing. Um, so taking on players in those situations isn't necessarily smart. This is stuff that you see from guys like Grealish for City, Anthony for, for Man United. Sometimes just keeping possession, making the right pass inside is more important than trying to, you know, win that first dribble and then suddenly lose possession. Uh, and also that's obviously a very big part of our defensive performance and why we conceded only one shot all game the lowest xg in a a very long time right um the other criticism is he didn't make the most out of transition moments again i don't think there really were many genuine transition moments for him to capitalize on and when there were he was either the outlet running through the center in behind in which case the ball wasn't getting to him or he was also as i said only receiving wide later on and there wasn't really movement, again, speaking about Trossard, guys coming in towards him to actually play those balls. I was actually fine with him. So I think it was a good first half performance. Not a great one. Obviously, you do want your your winger, especially in a title challenging side, to be able to make the most out of nothing. I think he had one or two really good moments, nice ideas. Obviously, lacked that little bit of extra quality to, to really pull it off. But this is like the player that that we know he is. He has certain limitations. It's not like Saka didn't struggle on the opposite side. I know Martinelli saw a lot more of the ball than Saka did, but but yeah, I think it's a little bit unfair. And I think it comes from this sort of judgment of Mart- the frustrations people have had with Martinelli since since after the World Cup. You said there that 
Martinelli was struggling with the doubling up of wingers that Leicester was doing. And this has been a the theme over the last few weeks that teams have started doubling up on our wingers. And it's something that we've struggled with somewhat. Let's put our pretending we're Mikel Arteta hat on and try and offer some solutions to these problems. Is there anything we can do to fix the problem that is opposition doubling up on our wingers? I think there are a couple. Um, some that kind of would work with the system that we have. Um, some which maybe won't. I guess it depends on how you use your fullbacks and the threat that they can pose. Um, I don't think that that's necessarily something we would we would use with the wingers coming inside too much, although there have been, but not necessarily for the overlapping fullbacks. Um, generally, the fullback will either go out to hold width or it'll be one of the eights doing so. Um, and then speaking about the eights themselves, I guess it comes down to sort of third-man runs. One of the things we saw versus Everton, though, is they had someone very, very firmly on... Odegaard the whole time when it was getting to Saka because of the threat that they know he can pose, right? I guess the solution then comes to what they, who they were very comfortable leaving open was Partey because he basically, you know, he does, he's not a difference maker on the ball in possession in terms of m- making decisions. I think if we had someone like Jorginho there, we already saw, we spoke about him this game. He was finding really good inside channels. He's, he's someone you don't really want to leave with a lot of time or a lot of freedom you know, when we're in possession, sides against us, like they like they were comfortable to leave party. So I think there are some solutions that were coming about. I would also say it depends on, if we go back to the other side, we'll speak about Martinelli. I think Xhaka is quite easy to leave free at times, especially because you can jump to him quickly. And he's not someone who, if you give him that little extra split second, is going to make, it's going to punish you for it. You can get to him pretty quickly. So we spoke about this last week as a as a limitation. I think he's someone that maybe if you had, and I'm not saying Eze is the right player for this team or good enough for us, but we did speak about him on our previous part as a terms of a profile I'd like to see there. If you have him there, suddenly you can pass the ball into him. It creates a little bit. You don't want to leave him with too much space. Um, and it's hard to kind of mark both sides and the six. So you have to leave someone free. And then obviously this, the center forward in terms of coming closer. I would have liked to see that a bit more from Trossard. We saw it earlier on in the game and then not so much later. Um, but I still think he did pretty well in terms of opening up the central channels. So yeah, having said all of that, I think Leicester did make it pretty easy for us through the middle at times. And we just didn't make the most of it then. But I think we are working on it. I think Leicester did open up other things that made it harder for them to A, counter properly against us by having to double up. Um, And also they allowed a lot of control centrally that we maybe didn't take the most advantage of. I think Jorginho does help. I think having a player like Trossard helps in terms of Profile, I think quality, having Gabby J dropping in is going to offer a lot. Having Jaco, you know, then swapping out there, then suddenly it's a lot less easy for teams to be able to manage those two players in closer proximity to to leave one open or leave Jorginho open who can move the ball quickly to the other side. So I think it is something we are solving. We've also been seeing that both wingers have been rotating in a bit more. We saw that quite a bit from Saka today. I mean, not today, 
uh, on Saturday actually. Um, didn't see it as much against Mart- with Martinelli because he rotated or swapped as we spoke about earlier with Trossard centrally and then kind of offered that, but not necessarily with the eight that much. Oh yeah, that that reminds me. One thing I noticed earlier on, uh, which I don't think I've seen very often, other than when Trossard has been on the pitch for Martinelli late on in games recently, is Martinelli was dropping inside to be one of the inside three of our attacking front five, and Zinchenko was pushing up on the wide left. I noticed that a couple times. Yeah which um, we've spoken a lot about how Zinchenko spends a lot of his time in the double pivot, and he spent a lot of his time in a double pivot today as well. But um, he did go wide left a couple times and allowed Martinelli to come in, which was fun. And that also happened That also happened versus Brentford. I think it also even happened versus City. It is something he's been doing more and more, but he's still not quite that overlapping, you know, pulling, pulling it away. It's more holding the width and, and crossing in from those situations. But for sure, I think that is a solution that we do use more so coming into the final third than earlier, though. Um, the other thing that was interesting is just in terms of pulling apart the mid-block that does kind of also, for opposition teams, factor into their ability to double up. I heard about how Liverpool use their centre-backs more in terms of their carrying mm. ability to kind of pull apart the mid-block. I would love to... This is also part of why I'm excited about Cuvier. You know, I can't say I've watched much of him, but very good on the ball, reportedly, by by all accounts, pretty much. Played played DM under Tiago Motto when he first joined Spezia. I would love to see what he can do. I think Saliba is used more as a um, sort of a sweeper centre-back, but he does have that ability to carry through and pull teams apart. Though for, for him, his carrying ability has always been almost reactive, like under pressure, then suddenly you trigger this run that he can go through rather than him actually initiating the dribble, if that makes sense, or the carry. Whereas like with Matip for, for Liverpool, you often see him take the ball, ball and drive in or with Mbemba for Marseille, who, with a team I've been watching a lot recently. Um, in off Newcastle once. We don't really have that... <laughs> Newcastle legend and yeah we don't really get that from Gabriel either they they are very comfortable moving up and positioning themselves high Gabriel more than more than um, Saliba for the obvious being a sweeper centre-back but in terms of actually carrying it through and disrupting the block we don't really see that so I think that's another solution I would love to see what someone like Ben White can do at right centre-back someone who does is provocative with his progressive carries and maybe see what Kivia can do. Especially Kivia's also got that ability to switch the ball and stuff. Whereas as good as Gabriel is with his passing, and we actually saw that for the first goal, sort of down the line, he doesn't really have that variation in terms of angles that he accesses with his passing. Yeah, it's interesting uh, you bring up Kivia actually, because I don't think he's made his debut for us yet, has he? Sporting, I'm so excited. Yeah, ho- hopefully <laughs> we see him play against Sporting. Um, cause I'm like, if we, if we continue to not see him, I'm kind of starting to wonder the, why we brought him in in January, why he didn't go straight back out on loan. Like, is he been signed just to be a fifth choice depth center back for this season? I think, I think we brought, we brought him in cause for sure, if Gabriel had been injured, we'd, we'd see him by yeah. now. There's just, Gabriel's been in really good form. There's no reason to actually start him and we've had no matches We've had no, like, Oxford United for him to play. 
none of those matches for him to actually make an impression. I'm sure he was promised Europa League minutes. Gabriel is a tank, but he probably does need a rest at some point. Not that it, we've really seen it effective. He's got better and better as the season's gone on. Um, but yeah, I think we'll see him versus Sporting. I'm quite excited just because we've seen basically what all sorts of players do in the different positions within the side, except left centre-back. We've not seen we've not seen a different player there. Gabriel has been there pretty much every week. So, so yeah, I'm excited to see, especially someone a bit more fluid, you know, especially with his hips and his general movements and ability to pass. I would assume, just going by reports and what I've been told, that QVR is a bit better. And obviously the comps do line up with that in terms of his variation passing back, like the things he can do. Whereas Gabriel is a little bit good passer, underrated passer, but a bit more limited with the passes he makes. Moving back to talking about the Leicester game, uh, because we've got on a, a centre-back related tangent here. But let's <laughs> drag it back to the topic of conversation we actually started on. And I've seen a lot of people talk about like the amount of control that we had this game. Like We controlled the game from start to finish, and I think that's a very good thing. But if you're doing that, you need to have control of the game with and without the ball, which means that you've got to be prepared for the next phase always. We talked last game about our rest defence, and I think we talked about a little bit our rest attack. I don't think we talked about it loads. Um, so the rest defence is a concept that we talk about basically every week on this podcast. It's how you position yourself to anticipate defending when attacking uh, the people, that, like where your centre-backs are, where your defensive midfielders are, where your full-backs are, to try and best control a transition situation. Uh, our rest defence was very good in this game, I think. Leicester helped it by just hoofing the ball as soon as they won it. Um, and that makes it very easy for us to just collect it and progress it back up to their third of the pitch. But, like, again, that's still very good from us. Uh, we also saw, though, when they were attacking, our rest attack was pretty good. So if you flip that rest defence concept on its head, a rest attack is how you have your attacking players positioned to try and take advantage of a counter-attacking opportunity when the opposition are attacking. And we did a very good job of that as well this game. So I'm going to ask a question that I know is always really a pain to ask answer. Was our transition management, shall we say, good? Or were Leicester bad at transitions? I think both. Watching real time, I said that I didn't think it was one of our better rest defense performances. I think I was wrong on rewatch. We actually handled them really, really well. And I think this was Jorginho's best game in terms of managing those transitions. We spoke about it last week, about how I think... In terms of when we think about rest defense, his positioning for transitions is great, but sometimes, because he's not naturally got like the physical or I would say dueling capacities to be like the sort of ball winner and protective like shield that Partey is, that in transitions he's still vulnerable despite being positioned well for things, especially with the the amount of like importance we put on the DM to be able to sweep things up. I think this was his best game, but I also think it's because 
Leicester didn't attack particularly well. Um, yeah, but having said that, we managed we managed the game pretty well. We had very good recovery. I think sometimes things are just as simple as everyone being committed to getting back centrally um, and creating the blocks. There was that one thing that was going on on Twitter about how it was almost like an Avengers Assemble thing where they had like a sort of a, I think it was almost, it looked like a three-on-two situation, maybe a little bit more vulnerable than we usually are. But by the time Leicester could really recover and get more central into our our own defensive third, we already had like five guys behind the ball or six guys behind the ball at that point. Um, forcing, I think it was Ikenako just to pass the ball back. I think we handled it pretty well. There were one or two moments, but again, it's just that fact that we can always just recover right down the middle of the pitch and we leave it wide for those are the areas that we leave free for them. Um, beyond that, we generally won a lot of balls pretty much as they were kicking them out. So I think we actually handled the performance pretty well. I do think a lot of it was just down to Leicester not being great and being being scared of our counter press, to be honest. So trying to play that ball that ball early and thus being able to recover it. Yeah, they were very cautious, very cautious. It seemed like for 90... 95 minutes of the 95 minutes of this game, uh, they were really scared to commit too many attackers forward. Like, I remember there was one time in the first half, and this might be the same time that you were talking about there, um, where they had a transition opportunity. It kind of slowed down and then made its way over to Tete on on the right wing. And he kind of looked at his options, assessed his options, decided, nah, I'm done attacking, and passed it back. And the ball actually went all the way back to the goalkeeper. <laughs> uh, and then they c- tried to come up the left side and lost it. And during the transitions, like when they did hit us on the break, it was never more than two, maybe three guys that they sent forward at any one time. They seemed, they, 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 they just seemed scared to commit people and try and attack until like, like the first time I really noticed them get numbers in our box was when the 90, like in the time after the 95th minute when they were like, oh, we do actually need to score to get a point out of this football game and just chucked everyone forward for about 30 seconds until the ref blew the whistle. I think that from around 70 minutes, they did start pushing a little bit more. And it kind of made me think, like, why weren't you guys doing this earlier? I get I get that it was sort of a a conscious decision because they were scared of us getting in behind. And that was definitely the idea, I think, on our part early on with Martinelli taking up a lot of central spaces, just getting fed through kind of as if they played us as they did United. That would have happened. So I get it. But I think they also reacted too late. Um... Yeah, and didn't make the most out of it. They definitely it was a good it was a good defensive performance, but I think it was helped by them being cautious and not that good in in transition moments, to be honest. It was a weird transition game because I feel they committed a lot in defensive transitions, so none of our transitions really felt like genuine transition moments. It was just eating up territory until we tried to kind of fashion chances around the box. And then from them they never committed anything forward, so it was eaten up pretty easily on our side, and it was just kind of that sort of game. So yeah, I think I think it was a good rest defense performance. Um, I liked Jorginho in that role. I think he had a he had a fantastic game. I think he was our man of the match. To be honest, what did you think of him? Um, yeah, I thought he was really good. Um, 
one thing that I think we, we've touched upon a little bit, but we haven't really spoken about um, in his recent games uh, that was really clear to me today is how he marshals the rest of the side. Like, he's come in, like, he's come in as someone that wasn't in the side a month ago uh, and has immediately become one of our leaders in that he is always pointing at people, telling them where to be, where to stand, who to mark, where they should be going. Like, there, there was a point where, like... Jorginho was pointing at like Ben White and Saka to like go and do something, and then they didn't do it, and the ball went over to the other <laughs> side. And while we were, while we were still attacking, <laughs> Jorginho was like, and, and like Jorginho was like trying to keep himself in the right place. He was yelling at Ben White and Saka like, "You guys should have been here to do this. We should be going through you, not them." Uh, <laughs> and it's just, it's very cool. Uh, a friend of ours said. Like, again, like we we keep getting all our ideas from Twitter, but a friend of ours said on Twitter that it, that it's really hard to reconcile the player that Chelsea fans say Jorginho was with the player that we're seeing play for us. And I think with each game, that's becoming more and more true because he's been really great. This was Sav in reply to yeah. me. Hey, I had something to respond to his tweet. I was just busy watching the game back. Um... Yeah, I think he's been great. The one thing I think is obviously the system does suit him a lot better in terms of the way we play in possession and also having more of a tight midfield three that he's a bit more protected by. So he has to the spaces he has to cover are less large than, you know, having to act in like this double pivot that he was under Tuchel and stuff like that, right? Um but having said that, I still think he's he's a lot better than people gave him credit for. Um Yeah, he's been amazing. I'm I'm very happy with him. I'm very surprised. Like, I was still pretty happy with the signing. More so than Trossard, who I think is better than I was expecting. Um, better suited to us than I was expecting. I'm not quite as convinced as other people are by him yet. I think he's good. I, I'm happy with him in terms of context of the race. But Jorginho, I'm genuinely thrilled with. Like, I think he's been fantastic. And I feel really good about him as an option. I would still start, you know, let's say we play City again. Well, we will. <laughs> we play City in April. That's <laughs> how it works. Um, I would still start Partey, obviously. But Jorginho is someone who you can bring in and actually genuinely offers a completely... Like a huge upside and a different way of playing, say we're chasing the game, that is a massive, uh, like, a massive improvement on what Partey offers in possession. And that's a genuinely exciting like option to have almost more than any like center forward uh, any attacking change we could, we have on offer at the moment besides maybe you know play throwing Eddie on and moving Gabby J wide when Gabby J does return so yeah it is wild that the most transformative attacking change we can make is swapping out our defensive midfielder but it is what it is that's how it is now um, <laughs> like it's really fun um i think I really want to see him keep starting and can keep his starting place in, in games like this where we're playing against a pretty well-set mid-block or low-block and we're going to be in control of the game for pretty much 90 minutes. I think he's going to really help us 
not only keep that control, but do something with that control. Uh, and I think he has shown that in the games that he's been starting. I really hope that he continues to start into the next two games, which are Everton and Bournemouth. Knowing that we got Sean Dyche to high hell last time we played Everton, are you concerned going into this game? I think we'll be better against them this time. Um, obviously at home also adds into it, but I think against teams like this, and I think what you're also kind of seeing with Newcastle is teams are finding them out the second time they play them in the league. Like, Premier League analysts are like the best analysts in the world, pretty much. They, they'll, they'll you know, they'll you'll lose the first time or draw the first time or whatever and know what to do the second time. I do think they're still going to be a very, very well-drilled side. I'm surprised that they haven't kept picking up points quite as well as after that, like, masterclass versus yeah. us. But I think we'll be better against them. I wish Gabby J was back for it because I think he'd be the perfect player. I think Trossard does make sense to start against them and maybe bring on Eddie later if we want to change things up. Um, Yeah, I I wonder... I mean, Xhaka kind of struggled versus them last time in terms of actually being an option. Like, I wouldn't say on the ball he struggled too much because we we just didn't get him on the ball much. Uh, (laughs) Um... I would wonder if we bring on Fabio Vieira, who's just a little bit more slick in those areas. The other consideration against that is you also want to be really compact and defensively strong versus Everton, whereas Xhaka, Xhaka offers, offers that Fabio doesn't, so it's it's another thing to think of. But I think we should be good against them. Obviously, it's the Premier League. They're a very good team with very good players. Um, It'll be a tough match. Bournemouth will also be interesting. So, yeah. But hopefully we have Gabby J back by then. Yeah. So, so yeah. I mean, well, what was the rumor that Gabby J would be able to make the bench for Bournemouth? Is that it? Yeah, I think. I, well, I think that he'd be fit for Bournemouth. I doubt it would be starting. Yeah. I'm not even sure if it means making the bench, but I'm sure he will if he's fit enough. Fair enough. I, I think obviously Bournemouth got absolutely trounced by City this weekend for one. I haven't watched that game. Um, I did chuck it on briefly because it was televised, but I was not paying attention, and so I don't have any real thoughts to give. But I think the fact that a side as similar to us in what they want to do as City absolutely battered them is a good sign for us going into next weekend. On the flip side, I think it would be really funny if Everton rocked up to Manchester City and beat them 1-0 in an attritional hellscape because they did that to us. I mean... (laughs) Again, it, it, yeah. <laughs> oh, are, they, are Man City playing Everton um, soon? I don't know if they are playing Everton soon, but I know they will have to play Everton again before the season's out. And I think it'd be funny if Everton picked up all their points against top, top six sides that um, keep the ball and none of the points against any other teams. Right. Time for the trivia book. Uh, that page. No, I'm not going to answer that one because it's all questions about how long the goes in Arsenal win the Premier League and I don't want to ask that. Who? Where was Gilberto <laughs> Silva signed from? A, Atletico Madrid, B, Flamengo, C, Atletico Mineiro, or D, Vefalbe Stuttgart? Vefalbe. I think Mineiro. Not Vefalbe. Um The answer is C, Mineiro. I, I was trying to find a question you get wrong on purpose and you've trounced <laughs> me. 
So there's <laughs> that. I'll, I'll take my L and hold it until this time next week when we record again. Thank you very much for listening to this week's Pot Shot. Thank you to Alex for being here as usual. Say bye, Alex. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank, there we are. It's a pleasure. It's there a we pleasure. are. Alex can say words. <laughs> um, thank you to James Blake, who makes our music. You can find him at JW Blake on all the good music platforms. Um, thank you to Lester for giving us three points. Thank you to you for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye.